Hey everyone, this is Greg. And before we start the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor is CloudMLX from, you guessed it, Lone Wolf Technologies. Your MLS system needs a dust off, an upgrade, a fresh perspective. With CloudMLX, the creative team at Lone Wolf have done just that. It's a redo under the premise, what if I could search my MLS like Google? You don't need to replace your existing MLS system software. Just provide CloudMLX as the easy MLS search solution to your members. They will love you for it. Check out CloudMLX and the rest of the Cloud Agent Suite at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce from Rob Hahn, the Notorious ROB, comes the Notorious VIP. As a Notorious VIP member, you'll get exclusive access to Rob's intelligent analysis, written and audio commentary, plus op-ed style articles. The Notorious VIP is a monthly or yearly subscription for those in the industry that want to go a few levels deeper. So please sign up at notorious-rob.com. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. And now on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. I obviously am your co-host, the notorious Rob, Rob Han. And I see on the other line, my lovely, with handsome hair co-host, Mr. Greg Robertson. How are you, Greg? Hola, Rob. Hola. <laughs> Dude, seriously, your, your hair looks good today. You no, know, I was, I, I don't want to say this online, but I mean, I'm having a good hair day. I mean, it doesn't yeah. always happen, but um, yeah. for today... No, it's a, it's a, my koi. It's quite the koi. See, th- this is why we need to go to video soon, <laughs> right? Because so that our audience can see for themselves that I am not lying. <laughs> Look, we also have a very special guest with us today because I think we're going to dive into a topic that neither Greg nor I would hold ourselves as experts in, which is the whole world of appraisals and valuations. So let's say hello to Mr. Nick Contaduca. He's the SVP of Technology Innovation at Option. Hi, Nick. How are you? Hi, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate you joining us. And uh, as we always like to say, because, you know, it's a lot easier for people, guests to just kind of introduce themselves, tell us kind of their story, the journey of what what sins they may have committed in their life that we ended up in real estate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, it's kind of a unique situation with me, I guess. I've been in real estate my entire career, my whole life. So, you know, I went right into the appraisal industry, kind of fell mm-hmm. into it, you know, uh, at a younger age, didn't really have any direction where to go. Had a family friend say, hey, you should take this appraisal course. Had no idea what it was. Started taking the classes in about 2004, obtained my trainee's license. And, you know, we'll get into it later, but the same trouble getting into the industry then exists now. Mm. So in order to get in the industry, you have to find a mentor to work under. And in order for me to find that, I had to contact somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. Mm-hmm. And then you get into that space and that appraiser doesn't train you as well as they should because, you know, they, they don't want to take the time out of their day to train you and they don't make, you know, they don't profit off you. So I was kind of thrown into the industry, went off on my own, learned the industry kind of just by screwing up, honestly. You know, there wasn't resources like we have now. There's no YouTube and, you know, searching online for help. It's kind of a hidden industry. So a lot of mistakes made along the way, but learned from them, you know, took a lot of classes, courses, 
met with the right people. Luckily, I found some people on the way to help me, guide me. And over time, built my own company. So I started off working on my own as a solo appraiser, going in homes, seeing the homes, going to the, the computer, working all night and day. And then slowly, way before probably anybody in the industry realized there's so many inefficiencies and just ways that appraisals are done. So I started developing technology um, for my company uh, that helped me grow you know, very quickly, uh, whether it was an order management system, mobile app, streamlining the appraisals in real time. And this is before there was tablets and you know iPads with Wi-Fi capability. So we had to get creative with that. It kind of sparked our company and grew quickly. Got to a point where built up, and I'm located in Chicago, just so you know. So we built up a company in Chicago. And the way I got people to join me, friends, family. I mean, that's really what people who I trusted I brought in because like the industry is very um, closed off. So it's tough to interact with many appraisers out there at that point. So I built it up from the ground up. You know, we built up our company. We grew, uh, we grew over the last maybe 15 years, about 2016. And then we kind of reached a ceiling point that we couldn't grow anymore. The market kind of got really busy in other states. We were going to multiple states right. doing appraisals, literally jumping on a plane, flying to say Colorado, wow. doing five inspections, going to Washington, doing another five and coming back to Chicago and writing them up. We actually had, you know, people who questioned us, how is this possible? Right, right. But, you know, we, we did in a team approach, they call it bifurcated. So that was kind of the way we did it. So we got to a point where, you know, I hit a ceiling and I was fortunate enough to know a couple of people in the industry with a company called Value Centric. At the time, my company was anywhere appraisals. So Value Centric was a firm located just outside of Chicago too. A couple of people by the name of Jason Goldberg, Tom Schur, E. Trice, uh, they were owners there. We were we had the same mindset when we talked, and it's very rare to come across appraisers that are thinking the same way in terms of technology, workflows, efficiencies, right? So we got to a point where we partnered up, and we brought our companies together. Right. So Value Centric. It was probably created maybe 2016. I came in 2018, and it was a culmination of five companies combined into one all across the country. You know, Chicago to Florida, Maryland, right? And we kind of put all our resources together, put all our heads together, and kind of built up our company. So over the last four years, it actually got a lot of attention, and we were recently acquired by a large firm called Option, which right. they're located in Australia. Right. So I like to just say that they they are way ahead of the industry out there. All and, right. So yep. I think we're, yeah, I think we're gonna have to dive into that because yes. the reason why I wanted to do this is I think I put up a little video uh, or something. Uh, I saw news that came across, and I guess this news really hit the wires in mid January. So this is like pretty recent, maybe a, you know ten days ago or so. Where Fannie Mae released this guideline, this thing saying desktop underwriter, desktop originator release notes, and they mentioned something specifically desktop appraisal option. And I remember looking through this FAQ, like, wait a minute, this says you could do a desktop appraisal based on like AVM without a physical inspection. And I thought, this feels like a big deal to me. I'm not entirely sure why. And then I had a number of appraisers like, oh, yeah, no, this is a big deal. So that's said, oh, we need to talk to somebody in appraisal. So let's start with that. So talk to us a little bit about this Fannie 
announcement, I suppose. Sure. And why it's such a big deal. Is this on new or is this on just new homes or is this per- you, or is this just purchases? Purchases as far as yeah, purchases. Right. Can you do it a desktop appraisal on current resale properties? Or is this, you know, a bank has a, a load of mortgages and they can do desktop appraisals on the mortgages they already have. And, no, and if you yeah. buy if you buy a home, and when I say new home, when you buy, you know, when you when you buy a home, you still have to get a physical inspection or physical appraiser. Right. right. Yeah. Just purchases, you know, low risk. I, I think that's 90% LTV, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you know, it goes in the system, uh, the DU, and it pumps it out what type of you know product it qualifies for. Now, just so you know, it's it's new to us too. So there's a lot right. of questions we have as well. Right. But we actually had a meeting about it today with the whole company kind of going over everything. There's a lot of parts that need to be clarified. Actually, let me let me pause yeah. right here because even though our audience is mostly, you know, real estate industry people, sure. you know, they're C-suite, I don't know that they necessarily understand the, the, some of the intricacies. So to be clear, Fannie Mae's desktop underwriter is my understanding is it is a software program that lenders will use, right? To make sure that their loans qualify for Fannie backing. Give us like the real high level, just so we, you know, we understand sure. what so, we're talking about. So when a property goes into their system, it goes through a bunch of checks, whatever it may be. And it checks, you know, their credit score, the loan to value, yeah. um, the ri- how much risk is involved in loaning the money. Okay. Right. Once that's done, it will decide if there's an appraisal that's needed. Now there are appraisal waivers that are done lots of times where there's no appraisal at all. Right. And then you'll get things that say, where we're at now, the desktop appraisal, right? Or it could be a full appraisal, okay? So depending on what the risk is, the system will decide which product can be ordered. And once that's okay. complete, you know, the, the lender will place the order with the appraisal firm, appraisal management company, whatever it may be. So just to be clear though, this is only if the lender wants essentially conventional Fannie guaranteed mortgage, right? If, if they're sure. like, I don't care about Fannie, then they could just do whatever... They Correct. Were, I would imagine. Okay. Correct. All right. Yep, cool. It's true, Let's man. continue. Yep. All right. So, within that context, tell us about desktop appraisal. Um, what's your understanding of what this means? So, essentially, a desktop appraisal is an appraisal that can be completed without the physical inspection of the appraiser. Okay. okay? However, the appraiser needs to receive sufficient information to credibly complete that report. Okay. So there's specific criteria in here that mentions, you know, what things are needed. Specifically, you're going to need a floor plan. Okay. Okay. Now, just so you know, when this is where it gets a little tricky in the wording and stuff of what they released, it specifically says must include a floor plan with interior walls. Right. When a typical appraiser does an appraisal, they're not doing interior walls. Okay. So now, all right. Okay. So we, we measure from the exterior and we label the wall, the, the rooms in the property, but we do not go to the extent like realtors do or agents, you know, to label the room sizes. So that that's where it gets a little tricky too. So the question is, how do we get that information? Right now, there's a lot of different products out there that can help us get that information whether it's through technology or a third party providing it to us, but it gets I mean, if tricky. you're going to have to go get to that length, you might as well do a full physical appraiser. That, appraisal, I, right? I mean, it just, right, that's crazy. Right. 
that, I mean, even if you thing. like use like a matter a Matterport or you know some other you know flow plan or Cubicasa or whatever, right? right to do right. these kind of things. Well, that's you know somebody in the house walking around with some device or taking it, you know, putting setting up a that camera for Matterport. Um, sure. That, I mean, the time that you're spending doing all that, you might as well just keep on going, right? I know, I know, but it, it comes down to appraisers. There's not enough of us. Right. And I was just going to say that. Right. But, but right. that's not, but that's not, that's not solving the problem. No, it is I solving know. the problem. In a it sense, is right? solving the, if, if you, they have to get physical, if they've got floor plan with physical walls, there's nothing, there's no concerted source of those floor plans. A person is going to have to go in there and get that. No, but so here's what I mean. So again, the FAQ that I read talked about third party information. In other words, under this desktop appraisal program, an appraiser can accept some third parties oh, measurement. Okay, so you're saying but, that like okay, there's but a this is where the on... complication is, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. tell us, okay, Nick. Well, like what? I, I well, this this, this is where it gets tricky, right? Yes, you can accept a third party, but it actually specifically says. Actually, I wrote it down. Yeah, data provided by parties with a financial interest in the sale or financing of the subject property must be verified by a disinterested source. Right. So the question is, they need to define who has a financial interest. If a realtor gives it to me, does he have a financial interest? Right. Probably. Yeah. Right. If the lender provides it, same thing. And that's where we're kind of at. It's like, we need a little more clarification and we- The as homeowner a company, has mm-hmm. a- uh, the homeowner can't even provide the damn floor plan because right. they have a financial interest in this, right? Yeah, I thought that, that was that uh, is so wild. Dude. No, you're right. It's it's just weird. Like, what's a disinterest source? If I'm not mistaken, wasn't there some note about how? So here's this. This is uh, Fannie Mae about desktop appraisals FAQ. They're a certification ten. Alana appraiser took what certification ten? Do you know? So, okay, so if if I'm provided a say a floor plan. Right. By the homeowner okay. who has a Correct. financial interest. Right. I need to verify that with some sort of technology. And the technology they say is aerial. I don't know how you verify a floor plan with that. <laughs> Maps, assess, assessor data. Yes. Okay. But okay. The, thing, the thing is, we'll get into this later. Assessor data is not consistent across the country. So there's some areas where you have a floor plan, others you do not. Right. Um, and there's other thing that says virtual inspection technology. Now there's some tools out there that are on the market where it allows you to actually um, view the property and FaceTime with the homeowner going through the property. But for me, trying to explain a homeowner to walk through a property would be very complicated across to be consistent. Dude, it's going to be drones, dude. It's yeah. drones right. in a house. Or That's what you know. What who you know who makes a lot of money here, Rob? Roombas. Uh, yeah, Those you know, shits know everything about go. everything, everything out there, bro. Here's here's that. the thing. The question I have is, all right, so we know, like, for example, Zillow has uh, the app, right? Sure. Yeah, you know, where they yeah. tell people, like, you could just walk around and measure right. all right. this stuff. We know Cubic Casa has this. Yeah. And last time I talked to Cubic Casa, they were mentioning that their floor plan software was specifically like certified for this, for like this desktop appraisal. Oh, I've used stuff. it. It's awesome. And that's, okay. the, that's the same, um, right. that's the technology that, that FBS is using for their yeah. floor plan or the yeah, floor yeah. plan initiative as well. So yeah. here's what I'm wondering is this, what you said, the virtual inspection technologies, that clause, it almost mm. feels like, wouldn't that be considered virtual inspection technology? As long as like the homeowner or the, the realtor doesn't have the ability to change right. the output. 
right? Correct. I mean, with that, Correct. that should clarify. I, I would qualify. think that would, yes, I would think it would, but I just don't think it's ready yet. Like okay. people aren't ready for it. In my opinion, yeah, just based okay. on, way. Yeah. like it, it's hard to get people to use, you know, certain devices, apps, okay. and it, it's complicated. Okay. And then sort of related to that, I, I see under number seven, do homeowner provided photos require verification? And the answer from Fannie Mae is photos can be verified using MLS listings mm-hmm. or live virtual walkthrough. What do they mean by MLS? Like, why is MLS listings different? I so guess. So if, if a homeowner sends us photos, yeah, say, hey, I just updated my kitchen, right? Yeah. And they send a photo of your kitchen. We could go on the MLS and verify that it's the same kitchen. Just an MLS is a backup tool for that. Okay. So I, I don't see that really happening. So too if much. it's different, do you then tell the homeowner, hey, you need to load this into the MLS? Like, no, they're, they're not allowed to do that. It's just if we're it's completing our appraisal. Check. It's a spot yeah, check. Yeah, it's a spot check. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If we're completing our appraisal based on the homeowner's information, we yeah. need to verify that's right. We can't yeah. just trust their, what yeah. they say for obvious reasons. Okay. So I'm going to assume that the reason why Fannie did this is now connected to more of a longer history. Because I remember doing a podcast or maybe I wrote an article two, three, four years ago with someone from the appraisal institute, because it had to do with some, some new rule or some issue that was coming up. And the big thing at the time were um, these, I think what they're called AMCs, appraisal management companies. Correct. And this person was more of a traditional classic you know, appraiser and was really decrying the use of these AMCs. You know, People probably like you who are flying in from out of state and then doing an appraisal. It's like, how in the world would you know? You don't know anything about our neighborhood. You don't know anything about our city. Sure. But- what he brought was bringing up back then was we just don't have enough appraisers. Nobody wants to become an appraiser. The licensing requirement is way higher than being a real estate agent. Now, what you described having to be a journeyman, yeah, finding that out would have yeah. been in the ass, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, isn't this all because we just don't have enough appraisers? And yes, what else are it, banks and lenders and buyers supposed to do? It, it, yeah. it is. It's the requirements to become an appraiser are difficult. The lack of excitement to be an appraiser. Like people, a lot of people think we're <laughs> home inspectors. Like right. not many people know the industry. It's, right. a very, in my opinion, it's a very hidden industry. And until now, just the past six months to a year, now you're having people market to people coming out of college and new, you know, new, new, new people looking for a career in real estate. You know, so there's opportunities now. You know, we've created a thing called Option University to attract more people. So it's coming now, but this is the first time I've seen in my career that they're trying to help appraisers, right. and that's what we want to do. So, yeah. so you, well, go ahead, Greg. I mean, it's just I'm just talking about the number of appraisers. I mean, you know, my company with uh, we made Cloud CMA, and you know, we're always looking like how can we expand this, right? And I remember like. Let's go look at appraisers. That's the same. It's the same type of thing, but it's a probably different format, whatever. And then you you come to find out in the back when I did the research, I think it was it was like seventy five thousand appraisers in the country. Yep. And it's and, like okay, let's say I, I mean even if I sold them for a thousand bucks a month, you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna end up anything right. I mean, it was just so low of a tam. Correct. You, you just left it. Left it. I'll tell you the biggest problem too is yeah. so if you're if you own a brokerage, you're a managing broker, you could bring on as many agents as you want yeah. to build up your company. Yeah. They limit us to three most states, I don't know every state, to three trainees per supervisor. That means I can only have three people work under me. How can I possibly grow 
you know, it's very difficult. And, that, and they're working on changing that, you know, helping that out. And that's one of the big problems with the industry is the lack of um, allowing trainees to get in like that. So, wait, first of all, like, do you know the origin? Like, how did that rule, like, who, <laughs> who lobbied for that rule? Was it appraisers that did that? Was it realtors? Like, who? Like, yeah, yeah that's odd. It's almost, it reminds me, like, I've always felt like, I mean, <laughs> this will be an interesting tidbit here, but like, you know, you go to these bars. And it's like, they only have two bartenders. If they had four bartenders, they'd be making four times as much money. I've got a wave, and, <laughs> you know, attached right. a 20 to my forehead to, to get the attention of these people. Yeah, and I've always yeah. thought, like, is there like the liquor department say you can only have two for this size of club to limit the amount of alcohol? Yeah. Right. I mean, is it, is it that is that what's going on in housing with appraisers? Like, oh, no, we can't put too many out there of you guys out okay. there or else. <laughs> but there's a second part. All right. So. If there are only 75,000 appraisers or, you mm-hmm. know, it's very hard, one would assume that with the supply and demand that appraisers are making bank, right? I mean, y'all are getting paid mm-hmm. enormous sums of money. And it's like, no, that's actually not true. That's not what's happening. Like one of the things that the guy four or five years ago was telling me was nobody wants to be an appraiser because it's really difficult. It's a lot of study. I mean, you know, in his view, like really getting an appraisal license, getting a full-on appraisal license is an actual real accomplishment mm-hmm. versus you study like 30 hours online and then you get your real estate license. Right. And we've, and Greg, you and I, we've been talking for what, a decade about the low barrier to entry into real estate. And what this appraisal was saying was he was losing trainees, he was losing people who said, well, for the amount of work I have to do, I could make 10 times the amount by just becoming a realtor. Why am I doing appraisal when and doing a CMA, right? I mean, who can't like whatever. right? And when I could just go do being a realtor and make 10x, like talk to me about like appraiser compensation, what the trends and that have been. Okay. Yeah, I can tell you that. Yeah. So I can tell you most recently over the last two years, appraisers are making more money than they ever have. Okay. So that's a plus. But our fees have not increased until just recently. So they've been the uh, same fees. You know, since I've been in 2004, this was really the first time they've gone up. Uh, so okay. they have. So we were kind of t- due for an increase. And honestly, we were always kind of trying to constantly ask lenders, AMCs, appraisal management companies, for work. And we were almost, you know, just a, a slave to them, really, just trying to scrounge up work. And now it kind of flip flopped, right? Now lenders and banks they're trying to get appraisers, and now appraisers are kind of deciding who they work with. So it's kind of completely flipped. Now, in terms of income, I always say when an appraiser asks me how much I can make, you know, how much, you know, I make, and I, the question I say is how much do you want to make? Cause that's really what it is. But it's, it's the, the hardest thing about the appraisal industry is that there's no work-life balance. Most appraisal firms, we're very rare. There's probably only a handful of companies like ours. Most appraisers, are solo appraisers. Mm-hmm. They don't have much interaction. They're working in their home office. They don't know who to talk to. They're talking just in forms back and forth. They don't really have much interaction. So it, it's a very difficult work-life balance. I've been there too, where you're you're working all night, all day, got to get it in, got to get it out. And it's nonstop, almost to a point where you never have a vacation, right? Mm. So it, it's, it's a work-life balance. But you know, many appraisers right now, they can make a great living. But a lot of people need to kind of, a lot of appraisers need to learn how to use their time wisely. And, and that's the issue. And a lot of appraisers are kind of scared of technology. 
even though I'm, you know, kind of head up this technology here, right. we're not, we're not looking to replace anybody. I mean, I'm an appraiser myself. We just want to get rid of all the unnecessary tasks that go into doing an appraisal and let us focus on actually doing the appraisal. Cause right. there's a lot, there's, we spend more time cleaning data and putting in data than anything of the report. And the time is money. So the more time they could focus on uh, limiting those things, they can make, you know, a, a really good living. Okay. So going back to then this Fannie Mae move, it's, it feels to me then based on what we just discussed, it wasn't appraisers that went to Fannie Mae and said, hey, please allow desktop appraisals. It feels like it was the banks, it was the lenders went to Fannie Mae and say, hey, listen, we have an appraisal shortage. Things are taking too long. Because that's the other thing, right? Yes. I mean, Greg, when you and I talk, we hear from brokers and agents talk about, hey, I got a deal, but it's going to take 10 days for this appraisal or two weeks. And like, we can't handle this delay and all this stuff. So it feels like it's the banks that went to Fannie and said, hey, we need to make this happen. Fannie said, sure, you're our, our customer. So we'll, of course, we make that happen. Based on just talking to you, Nick, it doesn't feel like the appraisal industry is really embracing this. There's two sets of appraisers. Okay. One, one side loves it. The okay. other side hates it. It's a love-hate relationship. And so you, you could see, I could see the argument on both sides. The reason, uh, in my opinion for this, is because COVID kind of really pushed us forward. Because when COVID hit, we were doing a lot of appraisal reports without the inspection for obvious mm -hmm. reasons. We were doing you know, a lot of appraisals just mm -hmm. based off you know, kind of what we know. Mm -hmm. And we were doing that. And maybe they had some algorithm that showed, hey, you know, and actually it was pretty accurate, kind of worked. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, let's try to you know, go through with this. And you know, slowly implement it. So that that's what I think. I think COVID really pushed this forward, and it's a way to help on turn times because there's so much push in the industry to get these reports in, and we feel it. You know, everybody feels it. That's yeah. the answer, Rob. I think it's that, like anything, any other industry, we're all we all learned to work differently, and then mm -hmm. we discovered I could never do that without being face to face. I could never do this without that. And we there's a lot of things in every in all sorts of of work of, of all sorts Tele of telemedicine. Yeah. Yeah. In, in all sorts of industries. And they said, you know what, actually we can. And that why would why would the appraisal uh, industry be any different? Right. I mean that yeah. I think that's a the clear enough example or a clear enough reason of what it is, right? So okay. I mean the, that's where it is with this. But it led to uh, this whole discussion. And I guess I was real curious about this as well is if I'm not mistaken, if I understand things correctly, as an appraiser, you don't work for the buyer or the seller. You work for the lender, right? Correct. The lender orders an appraisal because, hey, if I'm going to loan money, I need to make sure the collateral is worth what I think it's what you say it's worth. So therefore, we can do this risk analysis LTV. All right. There have been a number of things over the last, we'll call it 10 years. And I don't know if this is true or not, or if it's just, I don't know, but where some lenders are saying, you know what, we're just going to use an ABM. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't need an appraiser at all because this desktop underwriter, a desktop appraisal still requires an appraiser. You know, so it still requires some licensed appraiser to look at the data, not do a physical inspection, and then do a formal appraisal opinion. Is there any sort of trend in terms of lenders just moving away from appraisal completely and just saying, you know what, we're just going to use AVMs? Until somebody figures out how to clean up the data in the industry and standardize it, that I just don't see that as being a viable solution, especially in older cities like Chicago, Boston, right? Mm -hmm. Cities like, you know, Las Vegas, where they're a little newer, maybe Arizona, parts of, you know, city. Yes, AVMs would probably be more accurate. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it's the data that is completely um, 
unorganized, just inaccurate. For example, in Chicago, in our public records and MLS, I'd say public record, we don't report the square footage for condo condominiums. Mm-hmm. So an appraiser has to figure that out by going room by room, measuring and calculating that. And that's one example of one specific field in one area is mm. square footage. Right. Then you start getting a condition quality. And so two things that makes me think here, like, let's just go high level, you know, first principles mm-hmm. kind of thinking, right? Like value, right? You know, appraiser's job is to kind of say, this is what I think the home is worth, right? But we're in a situation now, it's not worth it. <laughs> These houses are not worth it. Yes, correct. Right? So correct. At, some, at some point, you go back to first principles. If, if nobody's paying what it's worth, what the fuck are we spending all this money, time, and energy doing these damn things? What they can look at, and it's not even the math of like the data of like square footage, whatever else. It's like, what's the market like? How, how much inventory is on that? They do the math on that. It's like, it doesn't matter if this thing's a piece of shit. And we know a lot of pieces of shit are going for $100,000 over asking. This isn't such a bad risk. I don't care what it looks like. Right. The math is showing right. me that this is the, the supply and demand problem. I'm going to get dollar for this for the foreseeable future. I, I think it does. It goes back to like, you're valuing a home and nobody's paying the value of a home anymore. Right. So what the hell are we valuing for? Right. right? It's a unique situation. You know, yeah. there's other... Now, what it goes back to is our last podcast, Rob, is a lot of the decision making that's going on right now is based upon the market conditions now. Right. And it's like they want to make these really sweeping changes for things when we all know, although we've been in the longest up cycle of a real estate thing ever, it's going to come down at some point. It's not going to argue how how it's going to swing, how deep that is, but it is going to change. It's it's not going to come down, Greg. It's not coming. It's not. It's not coming down until there's a monetary system reset. But there's there's going to be some reason, bro. I mean, there's going to be something that's going to make a change, and we're making all these decisions based upon the conditions. Look, I I don't disagree. Dangerous. You know, uh, with that, I think what I'm wondering is this: like, when I thought about so going back to first principles, one of the reasons I got interested in this whole appraisal topic is when I think about the role of appraisal. Is really as a lender, I just need to value the collateral, right? Because every one of these mortgages are secured loans. If the borrower doesn't pay me, I have the right to go in and seize that asset, right? And you know, foreclose on the property and then sell the property to you know get my money back. So you know, you look at it like desktop appraisal 9010. All right. So what that says to me is right off the bat, you can't use this for FHA, right? Which is like 3% down payment. You can't use this for anything right. like that. All right. That's fine. But that's because the risk is much higher to the lender, right? If I do a 97 LTV loan and the guy loses his job and walks away, then all of a sudden I have all these costs because it is costly, right? I could foreclose, mm-hmm. eviction, pay a realtor. I mean, it costs me a lot of money. I don't want to do that. Here's the thing. The AVM literature I've been reading for the last 10 years is suggesting that it is getting more and more accurate. And I completely agree with Nick because of what they'll also admit is older cities yeah, this shit is no good, right? The data sucks. Yeah. But for like 85, 90% of the country, according to like core logic, they'll say our AVM is within like three percentage points. So when I hear that, I'm like, if I'm a lender and the risk is three percentage points, do I care? Do I need an appraisal at all? Like, is this something that appraisers think well, about and talk about? Well, I, I believe last year, yeah. um, I believe the number was about 25 to 30% somewhere around that range, all the loans were appraisal waivers. So oh, wow. obviously yeah, there was some, so obviously competition. 
Think about that. If 30% wow. of all appraisals were waivers and we were still slow on turn time, you know, yeah. so, th- so they are definitely using AVMs and it, it does work in certain markets, certain areas. It depends on the, da- like I said, it comes back to the data. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it funnels to. So let's talk about the data. I mean, you had mentioned this several times, data sucks in mm-hmm. across the board. All right. I completely understand like Massachusetts Bay Colony data, mm-hmm. not the greatest. But we've now had a modern MLS for like 15 years, right? So when you say data, are you talking like, do you guys, are you only using public records data, which could be a piece of shit or do you know what I mean? Like, where's the is, data so bad? This is where it gets tricky as a, an appraiser or right. a, as I call a detective, data detective. Yeah. So think about this. When, when a property is listed, an agent inputs that information. What viewpoint of the putting that information in from a marketing perspective, right? Okay. So sometimes maybe the property's 1900, you know, 1950 square feet, they might round up a little bit, right? Yes, it might not be a big deal to them, but to the appraiser it is. And certain things, they don't know how to, you know, certain people don't know how to label above grade bathrooms, below grade, below grade square footage, above grade square footage. I almost feel like there should be two MLSs, one from an appraiser perspective, <laughs> one from, uh, uh, you know, the marketing perspective. And it's and it's the appraiser's job to know their market and know how agents input the information. I'm not saying all agents. I'm an agent too, just so you know, I'm a broker right. with that properties. But I understand from both viewpoints how, you know, it's done and it's it's the job of the appraiser to know the market and how it's put in. And then when you get to public record and you have two, three different data sources reporting for one attribute of a property, it's your job to figure out what is correct and what's not. It's very complex, but it can be fixed if everybody was on the same page. So <laughs> but, just real quick, if if you know that as an appraiser, you go and look mm-hmm. at public records or the MLS, you say, this is incorrect. Correct. Do you have some ability to correct that data? I was going to ask the same question, Rob. Is there <laughs> is there shoring up after the whole <laughs> yeah. transaction? The answer is no, isn't it? No, but I'll tell you how these, uh, this is how these ABMs get really, really good too. Okay. Appraisers probably collect more data than any other profession there is because they get to go inside people's homes in every single room and collect more information than anybody. Right. Mm. So we go in a room and we populate our reports with the data. Right. And when we get that data, we submit it to a system. Right that data goes into the system and it aggregates, right? And they take all this data and that's accurate data. You know, somebody has that information and that's where those accurate AVMs are done. The data cleaned up by the appraiser. Right. So. Yeah. So this, this LaFanny UAD, right? The universal appraisal database or data set or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, See, I did we, my research, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> yep. We used we used to just put in data with no standardized fields. Mm-hmm. For instance, you know, if it's a condition, we would just put average, average plus, good. Every appraiser did their own thing. Then they eventually made them choose which condition to do on a scale of say one to six. Mm. One being the best, six being the worst. So they standardized some fields, which right. allowed them to collect more accurate data sets to accurately run an AVM if needed. Okay. So I guess an obvious question, you know, maybe the next time, Greg, we get some MLS CEO and we need to be asking. So, Hey, MLS, why aren't you just using the UAD? Yeah. I don't know if they well, know. Is there a sync? At least like, can we like, yeah. at once a month, like, you know, go through sync there it. and like yeah. you know, sync it or whatever, right? Some clean yeah. cleanliness. There. And, and so sure. and a lot of appraisal software. So if we put in a sale, a comparable of a property in our 
you know, software, whatever we may use, it shows us a comparison of our data, public record data, MLS data, and peer data. Peer so data? Peer. Okay. Other appraisers. Okay. Because other appraisers have different opinions okay. on certain things. Right. So we have four data sets to determine mm. on one specific field. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's, which do you think it tends to be the most accurate in your experience? Our data. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Well, I mean, we, you know, we, Rob, I mean, that's not, I mean, of course it's like you said, there's a low barrier entry to be a realtor who's usually the one that's putting that information in yes. versus a professional appraiser that has to go through all this. Of course it's going to be the, but I, I think I, I think I've come up with the easy solution to everyone's problems. Drones. No, <laughs> every realtor should be an appraiser. There you go. Well, I, I, I have well, a you know, what, but at the same time, we need to remove the ridiculous three trainees per. We need to get right. rid of some of those. That, that's in the works. That is in the right. works. Okay, uh, but, but I mean, then, then, then there's only going to be, well, I guess if you take away that, then there will be more than 75. So, right? so there'll be more than 75, but fewer than 1.5 million. Right. So maybe a happy medium is like 250,000 right. appraiser slash realtors. Right. right. Well, I don't know if every realtor needs to be an appraiser, but I mean, you know, there there, there should be some more. Or at least go through the training, like training. the same training, training same sure. licensing requirements, same. Sure. Absolutely. You know. Some certification. Right. So just from <laughs> yeah. that standpoint, Nick, what is what is required to be get a trainee license as an appraiser? <laughs> this is another. <laughs> what do you have to this learn? Is, <laughs> this is why the there's lack of appraisers, because they make it so difficult to get in the industry. Some states require you to have an actual degree to become an appraiser, right? So you have to, you know, have a college degree, get, get an appraisal license. You have to take courses, um, whether it's online or in person. And then after you take your courses, you have to, I, every state's different. It's not standardized across the board. So it's, you know, I'm just yeah. going kind of from Illinois, but it's about 1500 hours. Um, <laughs> <you have> to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, fifteen hundred hours. You have to you know go through it. Now, they yeah. recently reduced our certification. Most states have two levels of certification. One is like a trainee or associate or entry right. level. Second is certified, and the third is certified general. They do commercial, but we'll just talk about you know to become a certified appraiser. So you take your classes, fifteen hundred hours. You work under a supervisor for a year. It used to be two. You're barely getting paid. You're, you're right. barely making any money. Hopefully you're learning the right way, but you're probably not. Right. <laughs> right. So you get through that year. Guess what? You get certified after you pass your test. Oh no. Some banks or AMCs won't take you unless you have two, three years experience of being certified. There's a lot of barriers to go through, but if you break through those barriers, it's a yeah. <laughs> great career. <laughs> I was just looking at what the state requirements for becoming a cosmetologist was. It's a right. thousand hours. Right. Yep. <laughs> and I think we both know that to become a real estate agent is uh, far less. And again, sure. like you think about some of our listeners, you know, they, they're going to care about It's like, look, maybe the answer is halfway in between. But yeah. can we come to some, how about $800, you know, and right. six months and, you know, let's get it down to like 250,000, 300,000 licensed, <laughs> just combine the license, real estate. Please professional license, you know, just, I don't and then, know. <laughs> and then that's what we're trying to do. Our, our motto for our company is 5,002. Our goal is at 5,000 appraisers with two day turn time. Wow. So that's what we're aiming for. Yeah. Um, and 
And presumably, you and technology is going to have to be play a big role in that. You know, I, yep. I don't see any other way yep. you could get it so done. What, what um, would you think that? And let's say I don't know if it's still seventy five. Does that does that sound like a right number of, of seventy five thousand? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sounds about right. Okay, so what you know, in your professional opinion, how many should there be? Because I mean, here's why I look at it. Yeah. We always talk about, yeah. you know, this is a, a thing we talk about a lot, Rob, is like all this technology, all this whatever, and there's still only 5.5 to 5.9 homes sold in the US. Six and a half last year, man. Well, okay, this is crazy, right? This yeah, is what's probably exasperating this whole thing that Nick is talking about. But that's yeah, this historical is, mean. I'm talking about in the yeah. in the before times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? In the yeah. before times, right? Is it going to go back to that kind of level set of like five and a half? I mean, I mean, what do you think, Nick? Is it, is it, is I, this I, a I moment in time, or is this, is this something? Even back then, was seven seventy five thousand too low? I think it's a sliding scale. The appraisal industry is making huge changes. There are so many companies acquiring firms all across the board. It's rapidly changing just along this past year, and it's going to continue this year. So as technology improves, we won't need as many appraisers because they won't you know, have to waste their time doing tedious tasks. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of a hard question because yeah. it's constantly going to be changing depending on what technology we get and how good to clean the data is, right? I don't know that answer. I mean, right now, if, if we had clean data and fast technology, I would think 75,000 would be fine. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Huh. So I don't know, man. This is an area where, like, we know it affects every single realtor, every single buyer, every single you know. Like, we just we know, and yet it just doesn't get thought about very much. And all all I ever hear from sort of brokers and agents is there's this weird adversarial thing going on with appraisers, you know. But maybe it's not adversarial. I don't know. But because you guys work for the banks, like, what Mm -hmm. is the relationship between appraisers and realtors? Well, and you're both. Right. I mean, you know? they're yeah, handsome, yeah. a lot of times, right? Well, I, I mean, always the, felt- the appraisers never. Oh, that appraisers he he's always yeah. low. Yeah, he's or always something, whatever, right? Right, I mean, right. That's, right. That's, it's that's not like classic. a mortgage, you know, lender yeah. or title reps like the sure. way it's real friendly. No, no, it's, it's, it's not this weird. Well, in, yeah. in in some places though, I think back in the the real estate crisis happened, they changed state laws where now you couldn't pick the appraiser you want. It was more of like a lottery system. Right. So like it's like right, who's right. up for this one so they can right. get away that kind of chumminess that happened before, because yeah. I right. think that was happening in some places. Yeah, I, I think a lot of agents might not realize that we want to talk to the agents. We, we they're they are really the market experts of the area. We encourage agents to talk to us. Tell us about the area. Tell us about the sale that was off market. Tell us about the you know, school district. I think it's really important for appraisers to have relationships with agents. And I don't think that's clear in the industry. I think, you know, some agents think, oh, I can't talk to the appraiser. That's illegal. Right. I can't give them comps. No, give us the sales. Tell yeah. Us. So would you be willing? I mean, is it a good thing for an, for an agent to give you their the CMA that they put together? For sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. They're, they're the experts of the area. I mean, yes, they might not be great, but you know, <laughs> no, I get this. I, I get this question all the time, but I'll, I mean, and I have a way of answering it, but I mean, I'd be really interested to hear how you would answer this question. What is the difference between a CMA and an appraisal? So an appraisal is a certified report from a licensed appraiser. You know, it's our opinion, you know, it's certified CMA is just, you know, somebody pulling. It's an opinion. It's, a, it's an opinion. Absolutely. With a license attached to it. We'll both have licenses attached to it. True, but not appraiser. I know. <laughs> no, I mean that's. I, I mean you're you're kind of. I mean you're going through the same dance I have to, right? right. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, but I yes. mean, what's the definitive? Like, I mean, how do you put it to like say, well, this is put by a person that's you know actually got 
fifteen hundred hours worth of this. Yeah, I was just thinking that right, right, not, right. I guess it's that's fifteen hundred right. hours yes. and two years right. and one year apprenticeship. Yeah. All right, but closely related then, what's the role of home inspection? Right. So in other words, like well, how does that there's connect? a home inspector yeah. and then yeah. there's an appraiser. And yes. obviously they serve two different customers, but in a way, fundamentally doing the same thing, right? I mean, you're looking at the physical condition. Of the no, property, no, no, no. Uh, appraisers are more looking visually. We're not okay. going in cabinets. We're not looking in, you know, furnace. We're not looking for to find problems. And we're, we're kind of in and out in about 30 minutes tops in standard homes. Home mm-hmm. inspectors are there two, three hours. They're testing every outlet, water, you know, furnaces, cool. everything you can think of. So, so wouldn't um, it? Then makes sense to have appraisal come after the home inspection using the data from home inspection, or are those two not like how does that work? Well, does an appraiser care that the, that the hot and cold faucets are switched? No, no, because we're we're looking at it from uh, you know the market's perspective. Is a buyer willing to pay less because the mm. faucets are switched? You know, probably you know it's a minimal cost. So yeah. in the grand scheme of things, it's not really a big factor. But, uh, okay, I, I guess I'm just thinking like the yeah. physical inspection. Okay, you're going to waive it. All right, well, if there's a home inspection report, presumably you guys could use, just use that or no, because there's a financial interest or how does that, uh, what's the interplay there? No, no, we can't use that. Uh, I mean, yes, if, if it's presented to us, then we would obviously consider it. But I, I don't see you know any reason to present that to us because we, one, we're not home inspectors, right? We, we, we would maybe use use it just for another source. We would, hey, we were provided the home inspection. This was this was a source we got, but the appraiser is inspecting the property too. So they could just use that as an additional source. That's really all it is. Okay. No, is I was there, just thinking like desktop appraisal, talked about interior walls. So if you yeah. had a home inspector walking around with a Kubikasa, you know, there taking you photos and yeah. then said, okay, here's my home inspection report for the buyer, but hey, send it along to the appraiser. And then the appraiser can use that Right sure. or not? I don't know. That's, well, that's what I'm you, asking. Look, if you think there's a shortage of appraisers, look how many ins- home inspectors there are. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> there, I, I, I'm pretty sure you'll be surprised at how many there really are. There are not many. I yeah, think Illinois, point. we only have about 1,600 throughout the entire state. Mm. Wow. Well, you know, you were going down a, a different path, but the same. You're going to the same place, Rob. Where I was thinking, going back to the beginning conversation of how. They're giving these criteria of where you can get this data from, right? So is there another service provider that, okay, I'm going to be the guy that takes a nice aerial shot, that does the, the floor plan, that gathers all this kind of data, and I'm going to, that for the purposes of a transaction, that's me. It's not the realtor. It's not the, it's not the homeowner or whatever. And then I'm going to have, provide that data you know, into format to banks and whoever else wants it as a third-party guy. Now that, what you're saying, Rob, I thought, I, which is, I think, smart, who can do that in the value chain right now? A home inspector can do that. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like an extra vendor in a sense that goes in there and, he, you know, he's not going to maybe even charge for it. It's just like any home that comes up for sale, he'd like to go in there and do the scan and have that kind of stuff. And like, okay, this is data for you, Mr. Appraiser is fucking 50 bucks. And then that goes into a, a larger file. And then banks later on can, as you aggregate that stuff out there, you have that and right. and do that. Right. 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 Um, or, or that's, I think a little bit, I mean, you know, talking to the guys at some of the portals, I mean, that's what they're hoping all these virtual tours, realtors doing with their phones are saying that they could possibly get that technology just off that video to have enough to, to create those floor plans and create a lot of data there that, that they can use. So right. there's a lot of people, I think, going to the same place, but with different ways, right? 
Correct. Yep. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. And it's, in my opinion, it's not even about this floor plan either. The technology is able to scan all the rooms, collect the names of brands of things, windows, yeah. doors, every yeah. aspect. So I think there's a, there's more to it eventually down the line, but I think it's more than just a floor plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, I, this is going to change real estate practice. That's how I see it. You know? Yep. And I think first principles going back to that again is fundamentally the appraisal is necessary because the lender needs some assurances on the collateral to do risk analysis. If we ever get to a point where they, the lenders just feel like I don't, except for you know a few rare cases, a mansion, you know, like for regular subdivisions, and I understand like the data on condos don't exist yet, but it doesn't seem that difficult to go and run all of that and then just start putting it together. I mean, I could easily see a scenario where just lenders all just go, it's within three percent. I'll just make the loan, you know, and then. Then that changes everything for appraisers and for realtors, right? Because now no, like very few loans will actually have an appraisal requirement. These are the types of things from a technology standpoint that will impact everything, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. So let me ask you this, Nick. Like, what is going on in appraisal that the rest of the industry doesn't know about but should? Oh, this is great. I like that question. What is going on in the appraisal industry? That, okay. What's the well, dirty one, secrets, Nick? What's, yeah. It's just us here. It's just yes, us here. There's a lot. Well, just us and our thousands of listener friends. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's all. No, I mean, one thing, like I said uh, prior, was that the industry is completely changing. These We like to call it teams are forming. Appraisal teams are forming, right? There's going to be multiple. Instead of having a lot of solo appraisers out there, you're going to have you know larger firms, larger companies right. that provide resources, almost uh, the way the brokerages run today similar to that. And the way to do that is through training and teaching and education and requirements to get in the industry. So they're working on ways to alleviate, you know, those hurdles for appraisers and allow them to join companies and train and get in and not have all these requirements. So one of the biggest things is the allowing of other people to enter the industry. And once that happens, we're going to see, you know, a big influx of companies growing and new technology coming across. So, you know, I'm I'm really excited the way the industry is going because it's it's been a long time and it really needs change, a change for the better. And uh, you know, I repeat again, if you have appraisers on here, we have no intention of ever, you know, replacing an appraiser. It's it's about empowering the appraiser with technology to remove tasks and to give them a work-life balance because most of them don't have it, and it's really important. You know, and like for me, you could go out and get your broker's license as an appraiser. It's great to do a couple deals a year, just, you know, with friends and family or in your own building. And I would say if you're a realtor, it's, you know, you should probably think about going and getting your appraisal. No, actually it takes 1500 hours and, uh, you know, <laughs> like 17 it's changing. years. <laughs> it's changing. It's changing. So. All right. I guess one of my questions, I've been, uh, you know, like my work, working with MLS as consultant, I've been a number of boards where they'll have like a seat for appraisal, but it's not that common. I mean, what's your take on- There's not that many of them, Rob. I mean, you know, it's just as far as a percentage of membership, I mean- But every market has to have at least one appraiser. I I just joined, I just joined a a pretty large uh, MLS group firm, whatever. And I asked how many appraisers they had. They said one. I see. Yes. So, and and I actually wrote them. I said, uh, you know, I'd love to, you know, have a chat just to get from an appraiser's perspective because- that's what really slows up the appraiser is verifying data. It's a job that they 
you know, it's job security, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It, no, it's it, unnecessary. It was just one of those things. I always felt like, why wouldn't every MLS board have at least one appraiser? Yeah, you know, that, that would yeah, that would be really nice. At least one. I mean, mm-hmm. I actually think there's a case to be made that like half the boards should be made up of appraisers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because no, because here's why: data experts. Yeah. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Data experts. Yep. I don't mean all. Don't don't yeah, shake yeah, your head no, at me, Greg. I, I, I didn't I, say I, all yeah, the boards. No, I, I said like. I you get know? you. I, I think there's, you know, somebody whose job it is to be very analytical and binary about this. It's 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 thirteen hundred and forty seven square feet. It's not thirteen seventy five. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, you need that type of thing. I just they're not the same animal. That's all. I wouldn't say so much on how the what the data is, just how it's reported, how oh, it's okay. exported. Well, that's interesting. That, that's what that. I'm. No, I'm more I'm more referring to you know how it's visually to you know just how the expert like for instance like i said the above grade below grade square footage is a big common thing appraisers look at square footage a little differently so that that's one one thing that you know should be in our bedrooms bathrooms the way it's reported mm-hmm. views um yeah there, there's a bunch of different fields that if it's just labeled a little differently it would you know really help mm. right on all right well, Nick, I want to thank you for your time. Like, I, I thought this was incredibly fascinating. Uh, hopefully, our audience, being who they are, would also find this really interesting because, look, appraisal is it's just a, such an important part of the real estate transaction, right? And I feel like most brokers and agents spend very little time, or MLS execs even spend very little time thinking about appraisal appraisers. And I'm like, look, things are changing and I think they yeah, should probably I mean, you pay can, some closer you, attention, you know? Yeah, you can look at things like, I thought this is going to go down a, a path of like the algorithms are taking over and this is, but you know, when you dive into it, I mean, it's just, it's it's great to have these conversations. Yeah, I'm, yeah. You, you find out that there's no, a lot of times it isn't some nefarious or some master plan. It's just, you know, it's, hey, the pandemic has affected things a lot of different ways. And this just, why should we be surprised Yeah, that this yeah. is not, this is one of the ways that it's, you know, yeah. Um, there'll be online notaries, right? I mean, all this stuff, right? I mean, it's just all changing that we we never thought something could be done virtually. And it's all, you know, we're, we're beginning to find out it can. Yeah, exactly. So if people want to reach out to you, if they want to find you, Nick, where, how, how might they go about doing that? OptionUSA.com. Mm-hmm. You go there. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Nick Contraduca, right just find me on there. Send me a message if you want to chat. Yep. Um, and just one thing I want to say is appraisers got a bad rep in the industry. And appraisers are never looking to kill a deal or, you know, ruin somebody's purchase coming in. We're looked at by many different systems, whether it's our software, lenders, underwriters. We go through a lot of, you know, it's very risky for us to do anything to jeopardize our license and career. Mm-hmm. So I just want to throw that out there. Just everybody, for all everybody go home and hug an appraiser. Hug an appraiser. Hug, hug an appraiser. Right. Yeah. Send, send yeah. a bouquet. And uh, consider if you have if you have children that are looking for a career, maybe tell them like appraisal as a career path. It sounds like it's pretty <laughs> lucrative. And there's probably going to be some steady job security for the next 10 years because <laughs> I disagree with Greg. I think hope price are going up forever. <laughs> forever. I love that. Yeah. Okay. All that right. Bad. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank Thanks, you. everybody, for Thank listening. Guys. Thanks, everybody. And, uh, Greg, what do they have to do? All they have to do is go on to uh, wherever they listen to their podcast, give it a good rating, like a five-star rating. If you can write a review, that helps out a lot. And uh, Nick, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Thank you. All right, bye.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Industry Relations. Rob and I both appreciate your support. If you can find the time, please visit wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write a quick review. It really does help the show. Thanks again. And from Rob and I, be good to each other. Bye.